Hi, this is Phil Rosenthal, and you're listening to The Road Taken. Looking for a great fall read? Pride and Prejudice meets House of Cards in Gina L. Mulligan's debut novel, Remember the Ladies. Remember the Ladies shines a light on women in American politics in the extravagant Gilded Age, when the struggle for women's equality had just begun. In a historic election year, Remember the Ladies serves as a necessary reminder of the all-consuming passion of the dedicated women who fought for the right to vote. Remember the Ladies is available wherever books are sold or downloaded today on Amazon for just $3.99. Visit GinaMulligan.com for more info on this popular book club selection. Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, Justin, how you doing? Good, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um... How, how how do you feel about food, Justin? I like it a lot. That's a good thing. Are you do you are you a foodie or or do you like not care what it, like how are you like about that stuff? I just I like food a lot, and so I try all kinds of things. That's good. Uh, whether it's on you know um, different people's list of best places to try, or if it's just something I see that looks good, I'll uh, give it a shot. Well, that's really good that you're adventurous, because, you know, like my kids, well, my daughter anyway, she will not touch, you know, she, like she has three foods. I don't mean three food groups, I mean three foods. You know, there's pizza, there's chicken, and there's turkey, and that's basically her food, and junk food. <laughs> And uh, it's very limiting. She will not try things. She's already decided she doesn't like them before she even tastes them. And her dad was very much is very much that way. And so it kind of follows suit. And um, life is such a rich experience, and food is such a huge part of it. Oh yeah. And um, our guest tonight is the coolest foodie. I mean, Phil is an extraordinary foodie. And what's interesting, we'll, we'll talk to him about it, but he grew up in a home where his mother made steak shoe leather. You know, he talks about, you know, like how she ruined everything. And really, you know, his palate was not sophisticated at all from where he came from. And I'm really curious where he developed his palate when food drives him like crazy. And he goes all over the world and tastes everything everywhere. And in fact, he has a show called I'll Have What Phil's Having, which was on PBS, which was the most extraordinary food show I've ever seen because he infused not only his love of food, and his knowledge of food, but he brought his humor and his heart to it as well. So it's the first food show of its kind, I believe, that has so many laughs in it and so much heart. It's just great. And um, I will, I'll let Phil tell us about what's hap- going to happen with that show for next season, where it's going. But Phil, for those of you who don't know, is the co-creator of Everybody Loves Raymond with Ray Romano, and he was the executive producer and the showrunner of that show for Life. Um, he's an extraordinarily funny. Uh, he wrote a book called um, You're Lucky, You're Funny, which I read on a plane trip from... LA to New York and I laughed so hard the entire way that the woman next to me moved her seat (laughs) because I just did not stop laughing out loud you know a book is right when you're laughing out loud so that was fantastic and um, I didn't know this about Phil he started out on the on the show coach actually and Phil's also acted in some films he was in Spanglish the Simpsons movie he's been on Curb he's been on 30 Rock um, he uh, also directed President Clinton 
um, in a White House correspondence dinner video, which was shown to worldwide acclaim. But even more crazy than that is Phil co-wrote the 9-11 telethon, America, a tribute to heroes, which aired on all four networks, and it won a Peabody Award and an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Writing. And it gives me goosebumps even talking about that. And I've met many people... Well, I, I should say that I've been blessed since I met Phil at Women Who Write when he did my salon some years ago. Phil has these pizza movie nights, which I guess started out when he and Monica, his wife, Monica Horan Rosenthal, who was on Everybody Loves Raymond, Everybody Loves Raymond, she played um, Brad Garrett's uh, girlfriend, then wife. And um, But anyway, when Phil and Monica were of more modest lifestyle before... Everybody Loves Raymond, you know, shot them into the, the stratosphere. They would have, you know, some friends over on their TV, their regular rabbit ear TV or whatever, and they would serve pizza and they would watch a movie on Sundays. And then as Phil's career continued to to rise and to grow and his home got more grand and his TV became a screening room, it was built by the people who built Abbey Road. So it is arguably the best audio theater in the world. And I've watched enough movies there to tell you I ain't arguing. The room only seats like 20 people, 25 if he jams them in there. And there are times, there are Sundays when I've been the only person in that room that wasn't famous. Like I watched (laughs) The Last Picture Show with Cloris Leachman, Carl Reiner, Valerie Harper, Allison Janney. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> wow. I've been in there with, with, with Norman Lear. I'm just everybody. And um and it's just and Phil is invests in restaurants as well. he not only loves them, but he's an investor. And so one of his investments is in Mozza Pizza. And um on Sundays it's closed. And so what happens is the pizza chef from Mozza comes with the ingredients from Moza and Phil has a, a, a wood burn, you know, one of those, co- whatever, the a pizza brick oven, brick pizza. oven in his yeah. kitchen. And the chef from Moza makes the Moza pizza <laughs> there. Oh my God. So that's the cuisine. And I bake my brownies and we have my brownies too. Oh. So now it's so popular that there's lists and mm. my list only comes up like once every month or two is there a bouncer and there's no bouncer but you know i gotta tell you my life has like crashed and burned since i'm not on the weekly rotation because he can have a pizza oven he can put in a new row no but the thing is that's what makes it so special right and and i've actually i watched the emmy awards there with ray romano ray and 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 uh, his wife and his kids and uh Ray had had a special commercial done. It was his wife's birthday, and he had had Jimmy Kimmel do this special commercial for her. And so it, but nobody knew. And so it just played. And it it wasn't until Anna didn't know until, you know, nobody knew until at the last minute that it was for her and it was special and it wasn't just part of the TV broadcast. So, I mean, like cool stuff like that. Wow. So, anyway, um, I I adore Phil. And, And one last thing that's also crazy is that Phil's son, Ben went to NYU Tisch, and he was in the Atlantic studio. And the odds of that, there's only 20 freshmen, 15 to 20, that are in that predicament in the whole world. And Ben was one. And my daughter is now another. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Samantha. I adore this man like I cannot tell you. So I am thrilled beyond imagination to have him here tonight. So please help me welcome Wheezy and Justin. Let's clap for him. 
Phil Rosenthal. So welcome to the show, Phil. Hi, Vicky. I'm so happy you're here. You look so nice. I wish it wasn't just radio <laughs> so that people could see you. I have a great face for radio. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, I, so, Phil, I want you to meet Justin Levins. He's, Justin. He's hey, um, Phil. This, my sound engineer. And I, you're a major music I, I like I, it. What I didn't tell you guys about Phil's movie night is that he always starts with music. And you've actually broadened my I'm a pretty big music buff myself was a rock and roll promoter but you've turned me on to people that I had never been oh isn't that great Janelle Janelle Monet. Oh my god I heard her first in your house I also heard oh god see my memory I haven't been having my coconut oil it's really (laughs) scary my father went from Alzheimer's it's freaking me out you're saying coconut oil would help me yes coconut oil helps the memory I do it every day but I was in New York for a couple weeks and I didn't have my coconut oil you mean you forgot to take it so maybe (laughs) it doesn't work so well (laughs) but no but you know what there's a new study they just found this has nothing to do with Phil Rosenthal I'm sorry I'm wasting your time but there's a new study that they tried this thing on mice and they are eradicating Alzheimer's. Okay, so my friend, Aaron Schur, who was one of the writers on Raymond and is a dear friend of mine, he has something that I think is genius. When he thinks he's getting Alzheimer's, he's going to bake a poison pie (laughs) and he's going to put it in the fridge. And the day that he forgets, (laughs) it's time to go. (laughs) Love that. All righty then. But anyway, okay, so so Phil loves music. Um, what What's, oh God, what was like the biggest, ga, ganjans, ganja style, what was that called? The video. The oh, ga, the, oh, the, the, the Korean, Korean uh, guy. Right. Gangnam, Gangnam style. Gangnam. Oh, the first yeah. place I heard that was at your house. We saw him dance like uh, like crazy. And, and that was like way before it was like nine gazillion hits. Because Vicky, I have my finger on the pulse of Yeah, you happening. do. You have your finger on the pulse. <laughs> the Gangnam style. And so, so I know because you love music that yeah. I, I'm guessing you're familiar with Justin's work because Justin was the sound engineer, the Emmy-winning sound engineer for the Foo Fighters Sonic Highways on awesome. HBO. Right? And Fantastic Justin, show. Justin, you did a great job. I hope that I will sound as good as the Foo Fighters. This today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how your singing is. But also, because of you, and this is the absolute truth, uh, you know, I was not, I can't even believe I'm going to say these words, I was not a Bruce Springsteen fan because, because I had a good reason. In the 80s, when, well, even in the 70s, when Bruce was breaking out, first they compared him to Bob Dylan. So I had a huge resentment against you him. You know, Bob Dylan. Because Bob Dylan was my god, my yes. hero. And so don't compare Bruce Did Springsteen. Did you know Bob Dylan? I. I was actually on my way to meet him because my friend Karen, Kenny Aronson was playing bass with him, mm-hmm. and I got invited to the studio, and as I was getting out of the elevator, Kenny said to me, get back in, because Bob was having a bad day, and he didn't want me to meet him that way. Oh. So I have not met him. Sometimes it's better not to meet your heroes. Well, my daughter Lily, in her elementary school, went over to her friend's house, mm-hmm. and her friend's house, uh, the man came to the door to, to open, I'm I'm so and so's uh, grandpa, and it was Bob Dylan. So yeah. my daughter has met him. And I have not. Oh my God! Yeah, and he was there for the play date. Oh. All right, that that just ruins Bob Dylan for me completely. I can't think of him as grandpa. Isn't that cute though? It's adorable. Um, so anyway, so um, so I didn't like Bruce because well, this happened later. I was running this club in New York on yeah. Bleecker Street next to the the Bitter End, the Rock and Roll Cafe, and my partner was 
Bruce upset me. Men get obsessed about Bruce in a whole different way. I mean, I know women who appreciate him and who love him, yeah. not like the men I know, like you and Drew and Steve. Yeah, because we want to be him. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a thing there, a connection. Yeah. So Steve played Bruce yeah. 24-7. Right, it's enough already. For six years. Yeah. And I hate, I just couldn't take another because minute. Because you never saw him. Because I had never seen him. Right. And... Gary Talon came and played in the club, yeah. and Max played in the club. So I, I'm, and and I interviewed um, little Steven yeah. when I was a DJ, a VJ later. Right, loved them all, yes. but Bruce annoyed me because he was like forever in my head, and yes. I hadn't seen him. So this trip to New York, mm -hmm. thanks to Drew, we were in the pit. I this brought is my the daughter, first time. First time I've ever seen him, and it yes. was the longest concert in the history of Bruce Springsteen. It was the four-hour concert. And it was the most genius. I, 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 I'm getting goosebumps and verklempt thinking about it. And I shot some footage that Good Morning America used the next day on the air, which and is I crazy. Saw, and it was wonderful. You had such a good vantage point. Oh, my God. And it was. You know, I, I'll just say it. I think there has never been a greater performer. I have been to a lot of concerts. Me too. I have never. Who can do ever, that to an audience? I have never. S experienced right. it and I took my daughter who yeah. also was not particularly a right. Bruce fan but how can you not think yes. that is the greatest thing you've ever done in your it's, life it's the, one of the more joyous noises on the earth <laughs> it's it's the most so now I'm obsessed yeah and I have to figure out how I'm gonna see him again but yes. but what would turn me around about Bruce was at your house uh -huh. I got to see Springsteen and me isn't that what it was called the documentary yes, there was a nice documentary about his fans and at the end of it, they were very smart because they tacked on like 20 minutes of him in concert. Yes, they did. <laughs> but also they showed Bruce with the fans. And that interaction was so really the thing that... Loving and charming. And just beautiful yes. and so sincere. Caring, I yes. mean, you, yeah, He's you always know, been that way. You know when somebody isn't. And I just watch... So now I'm obsessed, of course. So now I'm watching like every Bruce video there is on, on the planet. And there are a gazillion. But I saw this one yesterday where he takes out of the audience this woman who has to be... I don't know, in her 60s or so, and mm -hmm. and she's just wearing, By the like, way, so is he. Right, so yeah. am I. <laughs> 60. <laughs> and and so he danced with, he, he right. sang to her, but he danced with her with such sincerity yeah. and attention. He gave yes. her his total attention. And then at the end, she kissed him on the cheek, yeah. and he went and kissed her on the lips. Aww. And I thought, that is the most beautiful, that was just... Made anyway. her whole life. Yeah, I mean, it's just... But even when he was in his 20s, he kind of understood how to be a person. He, and, and See, I he don't didn't, know that about And him. he didn't have to because, you know, rock stars are rock right, stars. Right, You know, I think You've you... You've been a fan since the beginning? Not the very beginning. I'll tell you about that. But, like, there's legends that were printed in Rolling Stone and different places because mm -hmm. there was no internet. Right. In the 70s. Right, right. So you would just read these legendary reports mm -hmm. of him visiting a kid in the hospital or, mm -hmm. or uh, a kid will come up to him after the concert and say, when he's in a small town in mm -hmm. the middle of nowhere, would you like to come home and have dinner with my family and me? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, of course I'm going to do that because you don't just, you go to that dinner, oh my you don't God. just get a dinner and you don't just get your fan who likes you. You get the sister and the mother and the father. You get the whole world. So for him, it was almost sociological. Wow. And he loves people, obviously. 
I think that was even in the. Was there an instance of that in that documentary? Might I think there might have been. Reported about but now that. I'm thinking about exporting Raymond, where hey. you have that, where Phil has that experience. Because I'm just like him. Because you're just, but, <laughs> yeah. but but you are in your way. And actually, I just read some. Well, very we're all exciting. influenced by our heroes, right? So I try to I try to emulate, like even in in the sitcom. I I mean this. I wanted our little wooden show mm-hmm. to be the Bruce Springsteen of sitcoms. Not wow. that we would be anywhere nearly as good an experience as seeing a Bruce Springsteen concert, but when you go to a Bruce concert, you have a lot of fun. Yes, you do. And not only do you have fun, but you take something home with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted the values of the show to be. Which is exactly what this show is about. Um, we have a takeaway at the end <laughs> of every show here where it's the takeaway lesson that, that I've gotten from my hero, you, today. Oh, and and uh, that's exactly the purpose because I feel yeah. exactly the same way yeah. that we get these takeaways. And I started to say, and I, I want to get this out because I just read this the other day, yeah. that... Um, Everybody Loves Raymond is now the number one show, the longest running show <laughs> in Russia. Isn't that crazy? That is so fabulous. Uh, uh, maybe I'll go there. I'll move there. Don't go there. Well, you go where you're appreciated. Well, yeah, but I saw the way they treated you. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen Exporting Raymond, you must see it because it's hysterical Thank if you. you guys haven't seen it, but Phil is hysterical. Thanks. Uh, and your parents who I Well, they am, win. Best I, I supporting am, actor. They actor. absolutely do. I'm blessed to know they them in real the life, and they are so adorable. And I loved your your thing on social media the other day where you, you took your father through Italy, and he kept asking for a veal cutlet, and you yes. kept being embarrassed and asking him not to, and then he got the veal cutlet. Well, we went to a seafood <laughs> restaurant, and he said, can I get a breaded veal cutlet? I'm like, Dad, this is a seafood <laughs> restaurant. Do you understand? It's been two weeks of... Just going and asking for bread and veal cutlet. No, nobody has to understand that, especially not going to have it in a seafood restaurant. <laughs> Order some fish. God damn it. And the waiter goes, we can do that. <laughs> and my father just looks at me. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Right? And that, and you had a life lesson, right? There's the lesson. Ask for what you want. I, I Get what you want. I, I love it. You can't get it if you don't ask. I love that. Um, okay, so I want I, I, I have a couple questions for you. I have a lot of questions for you. I didn't even finish with Bruce Springsteen, but right. that's okay. All right, well, finish with Bruce Springsteen. Well, I was going to say, when I heard him, I was 15 years old, and somebody bought the Born to Run album and yeah. said, you got to listen to this guy, is great. And the first cut they played was the song Born to Run. Now, if you don't, if, if you imagine, never heard of this guy, you never heard him before, you don't know what you're hearing, it's like this. And I'm like, this is singing? <laughs> I swear. And I, I was didn't get say it. You loved I, it. I'm like, I'm like, this is noisy and, and rough, and I'm a nice boy, and this is not for me. What music were you listening to then? What uh, did like, you love? Uh, like Elton John and the uh, oh, okay. Beatles and okay. what people, nice people, okay. listen to. So I. So I just, you know, I don't need to hear that again, screaming. And then, remember, before the internet, before anything, I think it was the No Nukes concert Mm -hmm. they filmed. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I saw him. And I understood the joy and the love and the fun and the sense of humor that he had when he Mm -hmm. was performing. It was like an acknowledgement of how great rock and roll is. Mm. That, to me, is the concert, right? That, that that experience. And then I got it. And then you would get the bootleg cassettes of the oh, live yeah, yeah. thing. Uh-huh. And you get it when you hear it live. And when's the first time and you saw him live? It, how old were you? It took me two years till That's I could see much. him 
right? And yeah. I, I, it was so hard to get tickets. So I saw him on the River Tour, 1980. Now he's doing the River Tour. Well, he's really not, though. He's, he stopped doing it. But he does the whole album plus everything else. Well, he doesn't do the whole album anymore. I mean, I saw him the other last he couple weeks ago. He did the first. You're, you're already on the second comeback around part right, of the tour. Right, So I saw him in New York in January, ah, and he did the river. Right, And right. then all the encores are everything else. Right, right. Phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Just And how many times have you seen him? You probably can't I count. I can't count. Yeah. <laughs> I can't count. And, and I met him now. And, and you've gotten to meet him. I've gotten to meet him. The, the, the night that I was there, Drew was in back there with his daughter, and we didn't get that far. Oh. I, I was praying, but we, we didn't get that far. But that's for another, that's for another experience. Another I have trip. a picture of me and him in my wallet. <gasps> in his wallet. I do. All right, I want to see my, that picture. My, I'll show you this picture. Oh, my God. I was downstairs. This was when he, he initiated the uh, Staples Center. Yeah. It was the first concert ever at the Staples Center. It was the opening night of the Staples Center. Get out of here. When was that? The sound was terrible. Oh. I want to say the year 2000. Okay. And somebody I'm I gonna know- I'm going to take a picture of your picture. Yeah. Somebody I know knows him. Yeah. And said, I can come down and meet him. So I'm a nervous wreck because oh, I'm the sorry. biggest fan you'll ever How follow. Long? Oh, this is in 2000. Okay, yeah. And our show is on and it's going well. And I see Rob Lowe is there, and I know him a little bit. And uh -huh. he says, "Phil, you you you're here to meet Bruce." I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "I bet he loves the show. Let's let's talk to him." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! <laughs> Don't mention that." He before I can say anything, he says, "Bruce." He pulls me over. He goes, "This is Phil Rosenthal. He created the show Everybody Loves Raymond." And Bruce Springsteen says, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> God. And I look at Rob, like, thanks, Rob. This is exactly how I wanted it to go. Right? Oh, my God. And he starts backtracking and saying, oh, it's a very popular uh, sitcom, and, and he did it. And, the, the, and Bruce, this is how what a guy he is, mm. right? He goes, without missing a beat, he goes, well, now I'm going to watch because I know the guy. Oh, oh that's I like said, a that's perfect a, response. I was like, got my heart melted, and I said, you don't have to watch. <laughs> I'll still buy the records. <laughs> Let right? me see the picture. And then somebody just, came and yeah. took, and this was immediately after that. I, I was in love. And here's the picture. And if you look at it, I always tell people, look how happy he is to be with me. <laughs> uh, my, wife said, my wife saw this and said, you're not smiling this much in our wedding photo. <laughs> and I said, yes, but I married you. <laughs> so let me just I, have this photo and oh then let me God. be happy. I, I, so, you know, yeah. Drew does these um, fundraisers once a year upstairs at Tribeca Grill. I've seen some footage and of yeah, Bruce, and Bruce playing there. And Bruce plays them. Welcome to another edition of We Like Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have to talk about Phil. Like, That's I, right. I, you I don't have to. I'm happy to, if we talked about Bruce Springsteen all the time. I was on a podcast. Lynette Carolla has a podcast that's just Bruce. And really? you just talk about Bruce the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's obsessed. I wonder if Drew's ever been on that. She should get Drew. Because Drew followed them around the world and saw him everywhere. And he knows him very well. You know who I thought she should get? Who? Bruce. Maybe you'd like him on your program. See program. now, I bet if Bruce knew what she was doing, but there's a 24 seven uh, oh, radio show Sirius, which yeah. I've hosted twice. Get I've out been of a here. DJ. <laughs> yes, yes, you're talking to somebody who knows a thing or two well, about you. Mr. Springsteen. I know you do. I know you do. I well. love. I mean, love. Okay, so now let's talk about you though, um, because you're pretty interesting too. You should so, ask Bruce about me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. I hope I get the opportunity because now I'm obsessed with him. Now I'm obsessed with him. I just adore him. I just couldn't love him more. Wait till you go back in time. Look at the early stuff. 
I, you roll, I have it's been, like yeah. seeing a lightning bolt on stage. Wow. Right? I mean, yeah. there's so much energy. So Ugh. it's 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 really really yeah. really it's crazy. Yeah. He's crazy. So so you, Mr. Phil, grew up in this house with um, these Jewish parents, and I believe they were I, I've heard I've heard many times <laughs> that your mom, you know, used to like make the shoe leather of the steak and all of that kind of stuff, and like cooking was not her her. She's great thing. in every other way. In every other way. Not everybody's perfect at everything. That's correct. But so where where did this love of food happen for you? I, cause the I, moment I, I left to... that house. <laughs> well, I mean... it's, you know when Dorothy opens the door in the Wizard of Oz and suddenly it's in color? <laughs> That's what it was like. That's what it was like. Yeah. So, But did you have a moment? Did you have an epiphany? Was there a moment? Several. Uh, here's one that I remember really well. Okay. I'm in college, and we go. Um, uh, I went to Hofstra on Long mm-hmm. Island. We go to a perfectly crappy Italian restaurant. Okay. The the kids, and you know where it's five dollars for the meal. Right. And I'm eating pasta and sauce because that's what we can afford, mm-hmm. and it's the most delicious. And I I can't get over it. I can't get over how good it is. There's flavor. There's such flavor. And they're like, "What? It's pasta and sauce?" I said, "No, no, no. There's like <laughs> like like what are these little chopped up uh, white uh, bits in in here?" <laughs> They're like, what, garlic? Yes! Gar- I never had garlic. I was living like an animal. I couldn't believe how much I, that there, how could you be 18 and not have experienced that before? So I went, I went home and slapped my mother. <laughs> but, but no, but then, but, but, but your love of food is, yeah. is legendary now. I mean, because when you, haven't had something for yeah. a good part of your life and it comes to at the right part of your life it becomes your thing just like they'll tell you music the music you loved when you were coming of age yes from 18 to 21 let's I, say. I think it's before actually i think it's the first for me it's yeah. that music when i was 10 11 12 13 yes when you're listening to the radio incessantly but you know when you go to college and these are your albums and yes. you're listening yes. over and over and you're discovering stuff and you know why you like it that's true and you it becomes your music for life that's true so food good food hit me then and you'd be surprised, but I've spoken to great chefs like Thomas Keller and, uh-huh. and Alice Waters, who kind of created the way we eat in America, especially mm-hmm. California. Right. Uh, they said their parents weren't particularly good cooks either, and it wasn't until they were of age and they traveled, like Alice Waters went to France mm-hmm. and discovered the farm-to-table thing right. and brought it to Chez Panisse in Berkeley, California, and changed the way we eat here, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Now it's seen as a very American thing. Yes, but right. it came from somewhere, right? Uh, so these are the epiphanies that you can have if you're open to it, and it's never too late for an epiphany. Absolutely. I tell people the whole reason I have this food and travel show, uh, not just so I get to travel and eat, which is very nice, but I thought there had to be a deeper purpose to it, and that was, I honestly believe, without getting too heavy, that the world would be a little bit better if we all could experience a little bit of someone else's experience. Love right. That. So food for mm-hmm. me and hopefully a sense of humor mm-hmm. is the way in well, that's, to connecting to the person. We were just culture. talking about that. That's what sets I'll have what Phil's having apart from any other food show that I've seen is that I mean, there are other food shows that we experience great food. And, and there's what a lot it of fantastic like, right? ones. Yes. And there are. There are great ones. But there's never been one to my knowledge that also has the sense of humor, and the heart. Hmm. And that's what, you know, I'll have what Phil's having is completely unique in that we laugh, we cry, 
and our taste buds go crazy. And so, all right, this isn't this isn't a promo show, but I, I'm interested because it's you. Do we know where it's going next? I can't say yet. Okay, I but know. But it's going to happen. But it's, it's happening. Yeah, I can't give you uh, right, the details, uh, right. but I, I get to do some more. Yay. Yeah. That's, that's thrilling. Okay, yeah. if you guys haven't seen the show, it's my mother. Who I was said, I'm going to, uh, people ask me, I'm going to do another season. I said, yes, whether they film me or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm eating. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and you do give this sense of not only of the food and the culture of, of the land, but of actual, the, the, the um, I don't even, I, I can't even think of the word, but the essence of the people. I mean, I, I just really felt like I got to know the people. The food is almost not the point. It, yeah, and, and the relationships of the people yeah. to the food and to each other and to yeah. you, all of that. Just food beautiful. is an expression like everything else, right? I mean, yes, food we eat to live, mm-hmm. but the way someone makes it, that's an expression of who they are and the, their history and their culture. And it's really satisfying on every level. You're literally taking in the culture. It's fantastic. And it's it's something, this passion of yours, you turned it into, part of what this show is about is to try and help artists merge creativity with commerce, which is one of the hardest things to do, which you've managed to do many times over. But it's a challenge for people like me um, who we can seemingly have creative success, but trying to have the commerce with it is... very challenging in this So what world. you're talking about on, on, on another level is something that I think is a basic human need. We all want to connect. We and do. I think since we're, when we're born, mm-hmm. we want to connect. Yes. That's all we do as humans on the planet It's try to connect to each other. So for me, mm-hmm. the ultimate connection is sitting down with a person and eating with them. And then the even deeper connection for me is a sense of humor. That's to me the most underrated human value where when did you when did you discover that about yourself when did when did you realize you were funny i never knew a time when it wasn't just how we operated in our house because my parents communicated this way they are very funny they're funny yes when they're not yelling they're laughing (laughs) sometimes at the same time okay but so that was when we weren't mad at each other, angry, uh, uh-huh. furious, screaming, crying. We were laughing. And there was that it's stuff like a too, manic right? depressive house. Yeah. Okay, so now <laughs> I want to ask you about this specific yeah. episode because there was an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond that I've read was your, that was fr- uh, based on your household, but I know Monica and your kids, but it was the one where the kids were writing about the angry parents. Yes. Okay, is that was that really your experience? I went to the first grade class at school of our son Ben and it was kids read what they wrote day. <laughs> and the first little girl got up yeah. and talked about uh, escape from the blue planet. And there was a blue planet and they ran out of gas in their spaceship. And then they found some gas and they escaped from the blue planet. <laughs> oh, it was uh, delightful from start to finish. And then another kid got up and uh, the lion had chicken pox and his, his mommy got him chicken pox cream at the <laughs> pharmacy. And then the lion didn't have chicken pox anymore. It was adorable. Ben Rosenthal gets up, <laughs> opens his book, and says, The Angry Family. <laughs> the mommy was mad at the daddy, and then he shows us a picture. The daddy was mad at the mommy, shows us a picture. So he's reading this out loud, and we're dying. We're, we're, like, we're like, we want to hide. And everyone, the, all the other parents are turning to us and laughing <laughs> at us. And I'm about to kill myself when I realize, wait a minute, how lucky am I to have a child who writes for my television show? (laughs) 
I'm going to use this. And of course, what happened at the end of that episode mm-hmm. actually happened in real life. We sat Ben down to talk to him mm-hmm. about, do you think we are an angry family? He had no idea what we're talking about. We said, but Ben, you told the story in class. Yes, the dinosaurs on the television. What? He had seen a cartoon. Oh, God, I saw of the dinosaurs episode. on the TV. And we were like, we're not changing anything about <laughs> ourselves. We're going to keep yelling and doing what we do because he's not, it's not us. How fantastic is that? Yeah. That's pretty incredible. I, I saw the episode, but it was so long ago, I didn't remember how it ended. That, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Um, I like that. That's so we continued screwing him up. <laughs> 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 All right. So, so you always, okay, so you always knew you were funny because you come from these, these funny It wasn't that, that I thought, I, oh, I'm so funny. It was just how it is. It's it just how it was. Okay, yeah. but then when you went to school, you went to school to be an actor. I went Correct. to school, yes, and and first you're in you're an elf in the third grade play, and that that's oh. Do you remember people, your line? No. Okay, because no. I remember my line from first grade, but we won't go. I've already said it on the air, but but then in the high school plays and the thing in this, I realized you know we all use what we have, right? Okay. So if you look at me mm-hmm. and thank God it's radio, um, <laughs> I, I don't look like Brad Pitt. I don't look like these guys. Yeah. So to be in the school play and be funny, that is the way that I could maybe meet a girl. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. So what pl- what plays did you do in high school? Oh, my goodness. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, uh-huh. uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Uh, and then my senior year, they picked a play that Neil Simon had written for Sid Caesar, and they thought that I could do it. It, it, was, a, it was a play in which Sid Caesar played seven different roles. Oh, my and gosh. I was a superstar in that high school all of a sudden. Wow. Yeah. And then I went to college, uh-huh. and I was a big deal in college, and then I graduated and moved into New York City, and nobody cared. <laughs> and you worked at a deli. Didn't you work at a deli? I worked at a deli. That was a job I could get. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it actually helped me. Uh, I didn't realize it later, but running a show is a lot like running a deli. That's very interesting. Everyone is screaming and yelling and needs something, and they're all hungry. Okay, so now in college you're a big deal, and you think that that's going to be what your career is going to Obviously, be. Obviously, if I look up, look at the girls, look at the thing, look at uh, this is what I was meant to do. Until you get to New York, and there's forty thousand of you going for one part. Okay, so did you try it? I well, tried it, okay. and I was terrible, and I had no stomach for it. I, uh, you know, high school and college is a cliche, but it's very easy to to, to, to do yeah. well, right? The, the pool is not very big. And when you get out into the world, into New York, I'm talking to you and you're shaking your head like, my daughter, my daughter. Well, no, I was there also. <laughs> yes. I, I did the same thing. It's myself. hard. Yeah. And now my son is yeah. there mm-hmm. in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then some friends of mine wrote a show for ourselves to be in after knocking around for years and not getting an agent and not, you know, you'd be in. I remember I didn't do this, but there was a there was. You, you had to be in something to get an agent to come and see you so right. that maybe they would sign you. Right. So there was a, there was a scam called We're In Something Productions <laughs> where you'd pay Oh, yeah, there were, a lot be of, in. there were a lot of pay things. Well, that's awful. Yeah. That's not the dream, is it? Yeah, no. What are you in? Mm-hmm. It's called We're In Something. <laughs> that get, does it get more depressing than that? Yeah, that's so, pretty horrible. Not to, not to disparage anyone who had to do that. You're desperate. You yeah. have to. You have to, you, you, we, look, we all work for free. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we cared about money, we wouldn't have gone into the arts mm-hmm. in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So I didn't care about money. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And, but, you know, I tell my kids this too. I was very happy 
even though I couldn't get arrested. Were you auditioning? Yeah. Yeah. When I could, but I was auditioning for open calls because I didn't right. have an agent. Right. So an open call, for those of you who don't know, <sighs> is is an open call to the world. A Anyone cattle can call, say they're an actor the, today. They're called cattle calls for a reason. Yes. Yeah. So you're there with a thousand people going right. for one line or maybe no lines. Right. Because you're so desperate to do what you love. Right. Well, that was debilitating after a while. I couldn't take it anymore. And then and then we wrote our own thing. How and much that later became was, su- successful. How, how how much later did you start to write from five, six years of being an idiot and, and so then the, realizing, the, oh, you have to do it yourself. You have yeah. to do it yourself. That's what I tell everybody. That's the takeaway, by the and way. And you take Remind a class. You mm-hmm. take a class. If you're an actor, take a writing class. If you're a writer, take a directing class. If you're an actor, take an acting class because they're all connected. They're all branches off the same tree, and you want to make the tree as strong as possible. So that in the when I was a showrunner, mm-hmm. I was pretty good at it because I knew the difference between an acting problem, writing problem, directing problem. I could solve the problem on stage by telling you to stand over there next to him. Right. It but, saved us a night of writing. But now you didn't start out as a showrunner, obviously. You no. didn't start there. Okay, so so you're writing. You so, wrote on Coach, which I didn't know yes. about until I... I uh, and I just met Craig T. Nelson. What a lovely guy. Yes. And one of our women from Women Who Write, Catherine McClinahan, was married to um, the guy who's the the dumb... I can't say his last name. He has a... Bill Fogerbachy? Yes. Great Fogerbachy. guy. Yes. So... So how did you get that? How did uh, that happen? I moved out here. Somebody saw me in a play and said, if I come out to L.A., an agent said this, I will never stop working as an actor. And so I- well, at, what, at, what stage of your, at what stage of your life is this? How old are you? 28 years old. Okay, so you've and been I out of college. And I pack a bag, uh-huh. and I tell Monica, my girlfriend at the time- Is she working as an actress at this time? Yes, we're barely working. Okay. But we have an apartment that's very, very cheap that we share with two other people. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> in Washington Heights. I was just going to say, yes. where was it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so we could afford to. And I, I was going to yeah. say that, and I, uh, this is what I tell my kids, I enjoyed pursuing happiness. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the when journey. you're young, mm-hmm. even if you're not achieving the dream, and I know a lot of people want it instantly today, mm-hmm. right? They expect it. Mm-hmm. to happen immediately. Mm-hmm. But just like I had all these crazy odd jobs, like yes, managing a deli, yes, I was a bartender, yes, I sold farm and implement cleaner on the phone in a <laughs> boiler room situation on Park <laughs> Avenue South. That was depressing. I was a guard at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I was fired because I fell asleep on a 300-year-old bed. You did the night <laughs> of the museum. You yes, li- I did. <laughs> oh, God. Which, which later would serve as a story for a Roseanne spec script that wow. got us an agent. Wow. When I couldn't get arrested here in L.A. The agent who told me, come to L.A., you will never stop working as an actor. Yeah. I came here, I never started working as an actor. <laughs> and wow. I was at rock bottom. I didn't know what was going to become of me. And a friend of mine, Oliver Goldstick, whose plays I had been in, in New York, Mm -hmm. was out here trying to break into the sitcom world. He said, will you write a spec script with me? I said, yes. Did you, had you ever done anything like that? I wrote one screenplay with another friend of mine in New York. Uh And I wrote this off-Broadway thing that my friends from college and I wrote together. And Were you trained to do that, or no. did you just jump in there? No, but in college, yeah. Hofstra University, uh-huh. they showed me uh, not just acting, but you took play analysis, and you read a lot of scripts and mm-hmm. of the great plays. Mm-hmm. And so you, you took directing classes and writing, and then I, I took improv classes, too. Right. So right. that's maybe the best class I ever took. 
And a lot of agents will tell you today, mm -hmm. go to UCB, go to the Groundlings. Go to, I went to Groundlings in New York. Monica did too. I was in the laughter company with yes. Bob Nelson, yeah. It couldn't be a better yeah. training for yeah. life. I For anything you want to do. You might have not been great at it to be on stage, but it helped you in your life in ways you don't even know. Because now I can sit here and I can talk to you and not have a script. And not be self-conscious. What right. am I going to say? And you're there reacting you to whatever I say next. Exactly. The, the number one rule of improv is yes and. Okay, so, 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 you, so I, you write these things. So I write a spec script okay. based on my stupid experience being an idiot in New York. But wait, no, you have to know form when you're writing. Like, exactly. what, did you, what did you use to it, know form? That's a great question. And that's where you take a class. That's where, yes. you, that's where you learn the structure of whatever it is you're going to write. That's so what, what the class is for. So at what point did you do that? And what class did you take? I had a very short class. Okay. Now. I will also say I watched television mm -hmm. in in a way that was almost like an addict takes drugs, like obsessively. <laughs> this is what I did my entire childhood mm -hmm. to the point where my parents would say, what are you going to do? Get a job watching television? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got my first job in television, I sent them the biggest television I could find with a note on it that said, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so that was take? kind of that was I, I I don't I don't know if there's a person living today that will watch as much television as I watch. I don't know. I so, was pretty there so with in a you, way but, it was yeah. no. I'm talking about like most of the day. Me like, too. Like in a sick like something's wrong with me. Me too. Okay. And then I learned the structure from my friend who was already doing it, named Alan Kirschenbaum, okay. who taught me in 15 minutes the structure oh. of a well-made. Uh, live in front of an audience sitcom. Wow. And he told me, I could tell you right now, it tell wouldn't us, even take yeah. a minute. Most important, there's three important rules of the sitcom. One of the most important things mm -hmm. in the sitcom script are, number one, the premise. What is this about? What's the show? What are you going to write about? Mm -hmm. Number two, you want to guess what it is? The conflict. Uh, that's that's more thematic. Two. Okay. This sorry. is more practical. No, it's fine. That's a great answer. And yes, you can't have a show without conflict. Okay. But the second most important thing in a specific mm -hmm. sitcom script when you're writing is the act break. The act break means the end of act one, uh -huh. right before the show goes to commercial. Uh-huh. Because all the action rises to the act break in the first act. Okay. And falls from the act break in the second act. Oh, a classic wow. act break line is we're getting married, right? Uh-huh. Commercial. Okay. Now, what's going to happen after you've said we're getting married? Okay. Uh-huh. And the third most important thing is the conclusion. Was it worth driving all this way for this? Right? So what do you have there? You have beginning, middle, end. Mm -hmm. Premise, act break, conclusion. And that's the unseen construction wow. that you hang your conflict and plot and all your other story elements on uh -huh. and everything you want to say, but you follow that very specific structure. So now that you know that, and you have a script that shows you uh, what a stage direction looks like and mm -hmm. how it lays out on a thing, this is all the learnable stuff. What you can't be taught is, is this funny? The funny. Are you mm -hmm. speaking like a real person, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do you have something in your head that maybe you could relate to someone else and is worth relating? Mm -hmm. These are the unteachables, mm -hmm. right? But it doesn't mean that you can't get better at it. Mm -hmm. 
uh, by taking a class. By the way, tell everyone take a class if they're interested because at the very least, mm -hmm. you will leave that class with a finished script mm -hmm. because that's what you do in the class. I did writer's boot camp and I came out with a, there script, you go. a little screenplay. Yeah. Now, is yeah. it good? I don't know. No. But you have it. Yes, I do. And it's a place to come from. Now you're not doing it for the first time anymore. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. so your next one is going to be a little better. So it, it actually morphed into my book, which there you go. You know, took a million years. But That's it, all right. But it did doesn't matter. So, so, so then, so then we work on shows that nobody ever heard of. Terrible shows like the Robert Mitchum sitcom. <laughs> I didn't know Robert Mitchum was funny. He wasn't. <laughs> actually, was he? He was really funny mm -hmm. in real life. But was he really? Couldn't possibly because it was very dry uh -huh. and very droll and mm. really sharp and just deadpan and great mm. and i thought actually there could be a show there if he was allowed to be him which is the which is it for so many people who fail at sitcoms yeah. if they would just be their real personality but i was just a terrible. baby writer yeah. first yeah. job mm -hmm. uh, then i'm gonna do what i say how, how long did it take you to get that first job after you started immediately Wow. We so, wrote a spec script. We were picked up immediately so because you, you suddenly the road. world tells you what you were meant to do. Exactly. I believe so that. So maybe you shouldn't be an actor, you moron. Why don't you stop going for that and do this? Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe I do this. It's, I think, when the doors open easily, yes. that's the indication that you're doing what you're meant to be doing. Maybe. I think maybe. when things are hard, that's telling yes. you, stop doing this. Except prostitution. Those doors <laughs> are always going to open easily for me. <laughs> and I can always do that. <laughs> okay, so so the doors are open, so you're getting these little failings. And so when, when, yes. where's your first success? Uh, first success came when we got onto the staff of a show that had been running a long time already called Coach. We got we joined my partner. I had a writing partner, Alva Goldstick, at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, which is also a very good way if you're just starting. Mm -hmm. The industry loves a bargain. So they get two for one if right. you're a team. Mm -hmm. Plus, you're not lonely, and you're <laughs> writing with somebody, and you 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 get a little more secure in your ideas because mm -hmm. you're testing it with another person immediately, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Then after a while, after five years of that, you go, wait a minute, I can now do this. Mm. Why am I taking half a salary? And we both oh, you're, agreed you're, you're to- you're getting half a salary Of course, they pay you as one person, I but you're not you. one person, That's right. especially in the room. Mm -hmm. You're two people. We don't right. collaborate and go, we say it should be blue. <laughs> Yeah. You each have an opinion and yes. a mind. And we amicably went our separate ways. Mm -hmm. He went on to run uh, Pretty Little Liars. Yes. And and I did what I did. Okay. So now how did you do, do what you did? How, how did, how did, the, because I, I had met Ray mm -hmm. um, at the Comedy Cellar in New York when Anna was pregnant with their twins. I was pregnant with Harry. And it was before that whole Letterman thing happened. Um, and then we were at the Letterman party when Ray made the deal because Gabe was working for for Dave at the time, he was freelancing. How how did you, I know how Ray's side of the story happened, how mm. did you come into that? Very easy. Uh, when you're a writer in sitcoms, mm -hmm. they're sending you tapes all the time of comedians. Really? Yeah, comedians want someone to create a show for them, mm -hmm. and you're looking for a comedian to create a show for. Okay. Or a comic talent. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're much stronger going in as a, as a, a package of, a, of talent and writer than if you go in alone and try to cast it from nothing. Can you tell us any comics whose tapes that you watched that you didn't create a show for? Everyone else. Really? Well, yeah. I see a lot. I mean, I mean like before Ray, yes, there, you, watched, you watched a bunch of them. Always. Okay. That's what you do. Okay. This guy, when I got that tape, mm -hmm. I was already watching Letterman every night anyway. Right. And I remembered him as okay. being 
hilarious when I saw that. And you can see it online. The, the keys. It's yes, that, that's yeah, it. That keys, was the moment. The, yeah, it, I think it was. That was Ray's moment for everybody. That was just genius. So if you're listening to this, go online and look at Ray debut Letterman. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I saw. Yeah. And I, I said, listen, I don't know if he can act, mm-hmm. but the persona and the point of view is it's funny. And so we meet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I met you for the first time, I'd say, tell me about yourself. And he, mm-hmm. oh, I've uh, <laughs> twin boys, <laughs> an older good. daughter. And uh, I know he talks exactly like me. Uh, <laughs> parents live close by. They're always bothering me. You know, my brother is a police sergeant. He's kind of jealous of me. He touches every bite of food to his gym before he eats it. Uh, I said, well, wow. I don't think there's anything there we can use. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but... It, he would tell me stories about his crazy Italian family and I would tell him stories about my crazy Jewish family and we realized, oh, we're not so different. In mm-hmm. fact, he was born in Queens, I was born in Queens, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and he goes, well, what do you think the show should be? And I'm like, I think I have an idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's your life. And what I didn't know about his people, their mm-hmm. personalities, I filled in with my family. Wow. So it was really pretty simple. So now, so w- were the parents a morph of his parents and yours or were they yours? Well, I would say that the parents' characters, I'd say the mother maybe is more my mother, right? And the father is maybe more his father, but it really is a combination of the physical things that his par- his parents actually did with more of the personality of mine, wow. maybe. Uh-huh. But then when you cast the actors, after a while, they are them. So yes, because I know, I know Doris and I know your mom and I would not think of them exactly. as the same person. So character equals mm-hmm. writer plus actor. That mm-hmm. equals character. Mm-hmm. It's not just one. Mm-hmm. That Nothing exists by itself. It's writer plus actor equals character. Now, did you know when you guys started you had something? Did you know right away? As it was coming together, as the cast was coming together, and mm-hmm. I saw, well, that, this Boy, person is perfect. Oh Greg God. Garrett is perfect. Yes. Patty Heaton is the, uh, yes. an amazing uh, actress who's doing the toughest job, which is being the wife on right. the show. Right. Because, you know, you can't just have, here's your sandwich, honey. That that right. You need someone who is tough and pretty and vulnerable and sexy and sweet and, and has her own problems and is wonderful and you want to be with and i'm lucky because i found that in real life too yes you did yes i didn't marry that girl but (laughs) (laughs) found her once all right so that's my joke everybody monica don't hit me (laughs) um okay we're gonna have monica on the show because i want to hear her side of the story you know i've already told her i want i forbid it (laughs) okay so we're we're running out of time but i i i want to ask you before we we get to the other stuff so Two-parter. So, you, so, you, so I know I want a two-parter because I have so many more questions. Okay, so I have so, so you, much to say. So you have this huge success, and then it ends. You, you and Ray decide to end it. They don't want you to end it. No. And then you do the exporting Ray, Raymond yes. thing, and you bring it to Russia. And then, yes. And then, but your real passion now, in real life, passion is food. Yes. yes. And you create this. But but I want to say just for a moment yeah. that a few years ago you told me that I, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this on the air, but you were commissioned to write a Broadway show. Yes. Of, of Tootsie. Yes. With Thomas Meehan, right? You yes. did that. And at the time, you told me there was this guy that you had seen on Broadway that you mm-hmm. wanted to cast in the role. And you mm-hmm. said, but he's a little overweight. And, he's, and you mentioned his name. It meant absolutely nothing to me. Right. I didn't remember it. Right. And then when we were, I was watching at your house, the, what was it? The, what, what award shows was it? The Tonys. Tonys thank yeah. you. And James Corden's on there. And I'm going, yeah. 
Phil, was this the guy uh-huh. that all... And, and Phil knew that James Corden, all those years ago, he wanted to cast him in the lead role in Tootsie. He right. knew. He saw it then. I still think was, he should do it. He's un- it didn't. He be, it didn't work out. He would be our, perfect. Our uh, collaboration didn't work out with the people we were doing it with, but... Hopefully but, that'll still happen. And, and this is the the point that I wanted to make is that even yeah. in your position with your success yes. and your track record, yes. things still fall apart. Not everything comes to fruition. Not everything works out. You worked a long time. I would on say ninety nine percent of everything I've ever done hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so how did I'll have what Phil's having? We uh, the short version. How did how did you make that happen? There was an episode of Raymond okay. where uh, I asked, you went to Italy. I asked Ray if. if what he was doing on his hiatus and he said I go to the Jersey Shore and I said One, you never been to Europe he goes nah I said why not he goes I'm not really interested in other cultures <laughs> <laughs> even his own culture Italy and I said you gotta go to Italy and he goes nah. and I was, a light bulb went off I, oh we gotta we gotta bring him to Italy as, as him right, in right, an right. episode and bring him back as me someone wow. who's really excited about going and five years later we got to do that episode and I saw that what happened to Ray, the person, right. happened to Ray, the character in the thing. It happened. Goosebumps. I saw him. I saw him transform and get it. Wow! And that's when I had the idea. Oh, this brings me more happiness than anything. Oh. Is to do that for somebody, and so that's where the show came from. And since then, mm-hmm. I'm going to say ten years, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get this show since then. I've been doing other things, but in the back really? of my mind, this is the culmination of. Everything I love in life. Show business, right? Making a show, traveling, eating, family, friends, food. Being funny. Travel, humor, all in this package. It's it's everything to me. The, so The Italy episode may be, and, and I know this sounds kiss-ass, but I told it to Philip the time. Maybe the best hour of television I've oh, ever seen. No, it's sweet. it's really true because it has everything. It has <laughs> all of those things. I laughed. I cried. I salivated. It it was all. It was everything. But it look was what happens when you follow what your heart. Yes, mm-hmm. we won the James Beard Award. Yes, for the best so food ex- and travel show. Fantastic. Yeah, so exciting. Isn't that sweet? I just interviewed Drew. Was just on last yes. week, and he's also a James what Beard. What does award he know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love Drew. So do I. Drew, if you're listening, let's eat something. Yes, we, okay. we're gonna. I'm gonna be in New York for Parents Weekend. Maybe you'll be there. Then we'll all go eat. We <laughs> I, we went to eat with Robert Wall while I was there oh. last time. We had so much fun. Okay, so so before we go, I I uh, I want to ask you: um, Is there anybody? You know everybody, and as I said in your intro, you've had them all to your house for pizza <laughs> and movie night. But is there anybody that is there any star any any celebrity that intimidates you? Yeah, Woody Allen. Have you met him? Uh, very briefly. You did, yeah. Yeah. And what was that like? It was like he doesn't know who I am, so you're just meeting him as an anonymous person, and you're just he meets a lot of people, so it's going to be what it is, right? It's yeah. not like we're buddies now. Was it By disappointing? By the way, I meet Bruce Springsteen. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I'm just hamana 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 hamana, and and <laughs> you know maybe he knows me by face now. He knows he mm-hmm. understands, but. He has a lot of friends, too. He's not going to be... I get completely starstruck by uh, my heroes, and I have a lot of heroes. Yeah. Okay. All right. And my next question, my last question for you is, do you have a guilty pleasure? French fries. Oh, good. And what's your, what are your favorites? My, my enemy, the French fry, I say, because it always wins. Do you know it's, a bit, it's been, it's been <laughs> documented by yeah. scientists and doctors that mm-hmm. the single unhealthiest food in the world is a French fry? Because all it is, it's almost like a, a, I don't want to say cancer delivery system, but the fact that it's fried, 
usually in oil that's not healthy, terrible for you. Yeah. That's a cancer carcinogen in and yeah. of itself. Yeah, yeah. Then it's just a fat, salt, starch, sugar. Minus Cheetos. I get com- it. Compounded, right? Yeah. So it's a terrible thing. I can't get enough of them. Okay, so tell me your, <laughs> tell me your favorite French fries. I have a lot. I have. Uh, I mean, this Republique makes beautiful ones. Connie and Ted's makes beautiful ones. Okay, uh, go go there's cheap. Place go like, cheap. Go go. Well, McDonald's, uh, but they're not even real potatoes. Yeah, those I, aren't even. I didn't know what, what, what they Nathan's, were eating. Nathan's in their oh, day. Oh, I love Nathan's them. in their day. And I just had oh at the Bruce concert at yes. the Met, at at City Field, whatever. No, it's called, yes. whatever it's called now. Met like well, I don't know what it's called. They in the in the room here with yeah. this thing yeah. is in in Bruce's with lounge thing yes they had the original nathan's french fries from real potatoes with the crinkle cut they were out of this world you must go there and try them metlife stadium is called uh, no, dressing at the, the metlife oh. <laughs> no the metlife stadium in, in they New have jersey they and have they have the hot dogs which i love i didn't have the hot dogs but the but hot dogs are also mm-hmm. so i love all that food i'd rather have a good hot dog and french fry than than a f- French four-star meal at this point in my life. You'd rather? Yeah, because I, can't, I don't want to. First of all, I don't want to sit there for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's too fancy. It's too too much. Yes, mm-hmm. once a year, once in a while, if it's exquisite and great, who doesn't want that? Right. But there was a time when, in my twenties, when I was just discovering that there was this world where I didn't have a pot to piss in, and I would save up. I would eat tuna fish for dinner and hot dogs most every day. Yeah. But once a year on my birthday, I went to a four-star restaurant mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that was like. A vacation. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. great restaurant can be a vacation. So, all right, I'm asking another question. <laughs> You're so slim, but I know that you eat, you eat lunch every day. You have like a lunch date every day, right? That's this is very thing? important to me. Uh, I'm going to have lunch every day if I can with someone I like. I love that. Okay, so, and I've never been invited to lunch. I'm just pointing oh. that out. But anyway, so, okay, but how you can have, you have this lunch, you have the, yes. you, and you taste all this food and you do yes. all of this. How do you stay so slim? How do you do this? You got to pick your spots so you don't go crazy every day. So today, you know what, I, I went over to Itzikagado in, in, uh, in Sino. It's an Israeli place. Oh. And all we did was get the salad tasting sampler. If you look okay. at my Instagram, you'll see the picture of it. Okay. It's just all these vegetarian salads. Mm-hmm. And I ate very little bread with it. Mm-hmm. And that was my lunch. And tonight I'm going to have some sushi. And that's it. Because there's a food fair coming up on Saturday <laughs> where I'm going to go insane. And you're going to go, how does he eat like that? Because I didn't eat like that all week. Okay. Here's the thing. We're not children. Yes, I want chocolate cake every day. Yes, I want french fries every day. I don't do it every day. Why? Because I want to live to eat some more. There you go. And you work out. Every you day something. Well, there you go. Every day something. But okay, that's not the people say you can't outrun a bad diet. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how much exercise. Here's the test. How long does it take you to eat 200 calories? Five seconds. Not even. Yeah. How long does it take to burn off 200? <laughs> a goddamn hour. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah. So you got to eat. You can't. Yes, we want to eat everything we like, but we can't every day. Well, um, this was a delicious hour. Aww. Phil, thank you so much for being my guest tonight. I it was, love it was being thrilling. with you. And uh, we are going to have you back for part two because there's so many more questions that I And we're going to eat lunch. And we're going to eat lunch. Yay. Thank you so much. So, Justin. Yes. Funny, wheezy, funny guy, huh? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. He's I mean, the best. He, the best. Oh, God. I, and I really wish it was a two-parter. And, and we're going to have him back because I could have listened to his stories all day. For sure. Um, okay, so for me, the takeaway, as I screamed out in the middle of the show when he said <laughs> it, and you guys just had to remind me what it is, um, is that it, that opportunities aren't always going to present themselves, and so we have to create them for ourselves. So if we're an actor and we're not getting roles, we've got to write the script. 
if we're, you know, yeah, we, we, we have to do it for ourselves. Um, I, I think that's the takeaway. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. So uh, one of my favorite shows ever. Um, thrilled uh, that we got to have Phil here. Tune in next week, Tuesday, 6 o'clock Pacific time, 9 o'clock Eastern time for The Road Taken. Looking for a great fall read? Pride and Prejudice meets House of Cards in Gina L. Mulligan's debut novel, Remember the Ladies. Remember the Ladies shines a light on women in American politics in the extravagant Gilded Age, when the struggle for women's equality had just begun. In a historic election year, Remember the Ladies serves as a necessary reminder of the all-consuming passion of the dedicated women who fought for the right to vote. Remember the Ladies is available wherever books are sold or download it today on Amazon for just $3.99. Visit GinaMulligan.com for more info on this popular book club selection.